Hello and welcome to H2 Tech Talk, the podcast series from H2 Tech, a hydrogen technology journal from Gulf Energy Information. Through this podcast, we bring to you the voices of leaders and experts in the hydrogen industry. My name is Sumedha Sharma, and I'm the technical editor for H2 Tech and your host for H2 Tech Talk today. To stay updated with new and upcoming technologies in the hydrogen sector and to hear expert views from this industry, please subscribe and share the H2 Tech podcast through the subscribe link on iTunes or Bluebirds. Today, we are in conversation with Dr. Fiona Simon, Chief Executive Officer for the Australian Hydrogen Council. The council is the apex body that represents the hydrogen industry in Australia, spanning all levels of the hydrogen value chain and building relationships within the industry and regulatory offices to create a strong hydrogen ecosystem. Welcome to H2 Tech, Fiona. Thank you, Sumedha. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So to begin with, I will request you to share what are the objectives of the Hydrogen Council and what is your role in achieving these? Well, um, as the peak body for the emerging clean hydrogen industry in Australia, um, I think I'd focus very much on the word emerging. So the industry is not yet commercial. Uh, our objective is to have it be commercial, to, to have the industry um, in, at, its, at its full scale, at full potential. Um, and we, we try to achieve that through uh, you know, a range of different relationships. But by and large, what we're trying to do is get the policy settings in place uh, because markets don't create themselves at a, at a loss. So uh, what we need to do is have the policy settings to, to close the investment gap to get to some point of, of, of commerciality um, and across different applications that, that, that they're sort of different sized gaps, um, as well as working with governments and, and others to, to have a, a really strong regulatory regime that can give um, investors and customers confidence. Um, and also working with, with, with the public, working with governments uh, and, and other interested stakeholders to, to make sure that as we go through the energy transition and, and the, sort of the broader issues to move to net zero and to make sure that you know, everyone understands and is confident about the role of hydrogen within that, that we're communicating well. So these are sort of the, the, the three main areas for us are the economic, regulatory and social licenses to operate. And what we do is we focus on those policy settings to have those come into being and, uh, and to be maintained. Thank you. That's, uh, so you talked about uh, the transition, right? So not too long ago, I would say, we used to talk about hydrogen as the energy of the future, right? But now I think yes. you will agree when, you, when I say that hydrogen energy future is right now. And uh, of course we are going through the uh, global energy transition, but at the same time, hydrogen seems to have sort of caught up and caught up really fast. So what do you think you will attribute this rapid jump to? I think it's very much around that global recognition of the need to decarbonize economies. Uh, it's, it's, it's not that we didn't know, uh, as, I'm, as I know you know, it's, it's not that we didn't know that hydrogen could have the role that it does, uh, or, or sorry, or that the, you know, the role that we can sort of more immediately see on the horizon. It's just that it couldn't compete with fossil fuels. And in a world where uh, we didn't need to value uh, the costs of carbon, where fossil fuels had, have the existing infrastructure, the markets in place, 
then hydrogen was always going to be the fuel of the future. Uh, but yeah, I think the future is here or, or it's imminent at least in that you know, with, with countries saying that they are going to decarbonize with that, with that recognition of, of taking carbon out of the economy, we do need to look at those other options. And this is where hydrogen steps in perfectly to complement renewable electricity and batteries to, to really allow us to decarbonize those harder parts of the economies uh, across the world. Absolutely. So um, speaking of uh, hydrogen and hydrogen technologies, what kind of technologies are you currently working on to promote or say commercialize? And uh, what are the various service sectors or the uh, areas in which these technologies are applied? Well, for, for us, we are reasonably technology agnostic. So because we're talking about the policy settings for hydrogen, uh, we, we are definitely talking about that long-term green hydrogen, sort of renewable hydrogen uh, view of the world, but we aren't actually particularly um, strong on the, the pathway to get there, as in we, we, have, we are not choosing winners. So in Australia, uh, and I think this is a, a sort of, I think live in, in many countries, there's that question of do you, you know, is it about blue hydrogen to get to green hydrogen or do we just put everything into green hydrogen now? Um, and I know that other countries are looking at things like nuclear energy to, to, to create, I think it's either turquoise or pink, I can never remember, could be purple, but there are all those options. Um, we tend to talk about blue and green uh, and we at the AHC are supportive of, of both with the view being that in the long term we have to get to that scale. What we tend to focus on, uh, and I'll use the word, I'll use the term technologies reasonably broadly, um, are those demand side applications. And so, uh, you know, for us, it's about, well, you know, let's look at uh, blending hydrogen into the natural gas infrastructure. Uh, what are the technologies that need to be employed to support that? Uh, we are more observers of that than active participants because there's many others in Australia who are very deeply involved with, it, with addressing you know, what's the state, you know, what's the point at which we need to change the materials of pipelines to have a, a higher blend of hydrogen go through them? Um, so there's there's definitely tech, technology issues uh, and um, problems to be solved. Where I think the problems just more are uncertainty as opposed to the, you know there being a fundamental issue because uh, that is all able to be solved. Um, and then for us, it's also about the the opportunity for transport. So Yes, there's everything from passenger cars through to um, through to ships. Uh, for us, in the in the medium, sorry, in the sort of shorter term, it's really looking at those larger uh, larger vehicles, looking at you know, trucking, long distance trucking, the the logistics side of things. Um, you know, in Australia in particular, we've got you know a very large country and and a need to, tra to transport goods. Uh, and, and people across that country. And so we have this opportunity. So then where's, you know, we need to then uh, make sure that we, the industry, have the technology in hand to, to undertake those sorts of trips using hydrogen um, and to do so safely, obviously. Um, and then for us, if I'm gonna use the very broadest possible term of the technology, which I think is probably taking things a bit far, it's the infrastructure. It's making sure we have the refueling infrastructure, which at this stage we don't have. So um, in each of these, I guess, if I take a, a more tight version view of technology, 
it, it's going to be about making any, any part of these different value chains for these different uses more efficient uh, to, to promote the safety at every point uh, when it comes to the, the processes and the materials used, when it comes to um, yeah, a, a range of ways of making it. Uh, these are areas where we've got a strong research and development capability in Australia, and there's definitely a lot of work going on into all of the areas I've just mentioned. And, uh, and you know, we remain very keen to see that evolve. That's uh, really interesting. Uh, actually, what you just said uh, forced me to think. Uh, so when we talk in terms of uh, the entire shift towards green hydrogen, so uh, what do you think, what are the specific steps that the industry in general would need to take to you know, achieve being closer to the green hydrogen uh, goals that we have? A, in terms of uh, existing and required infrastructure, and B, I would say in terms of government and policy, because that is an important aspect. And I, I don't think uh, I have met anyone else uh, closer to being, you know, the absolutely right person to comment on this. <laughs> well, I hope, I hope I'm close to being that person. Um, in, in terms of what the industry can do, because I think that's how you framed it, uh, what what the industry can and should do is 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 make a make a a business case, uh, in, including putting within that um, the, the investment gap and how it may be filled, um, and talking to governments about that. And that's some of the things that well, that our members are doing that right now. It's forming consortia. It's trying to get some efficiencies of scale and scope by working across what might be more you know, the more traditional boundaries. And we're seeing that, which is great. We're seeing this, uh, this creativity, if you like, across uh, you know, transport people talking to natural gas networks, talking to um, you know, truck manufacturers and bus manufacturers. Um, so you know, we've, we've, we get, we're seeing these different supply chains come together and that's really helpful. It's, it's all really because we're not yet commercial. It's just about ways of understanding where are the risks and how do we allocate them? How do we get efficiencies? How do we um, try to you know, co-locate uh, as many points of demand as possible with, with, with production so that your electrolyzer is on all the time. What, what can we do to try to build up that demand and that business case? So in terms of how that happens, industry can only take it so far because in the end, as I said at the start, um, you know, it, it, industry uh, is, is keen to exist, but it's not going to create itself at a loss because individual companies have their own shareholders. You know, they have to make sure that they are being seen to be spending money wisely and not sort of frittering it away. So uh, that's where governments need to come in and say, all right, well, actually, this is important. Um, now, in Australia, we've said that you know, an ambition is to be a top three exporter uh, of hydrogen to uh, our region by 2030. So then the question is, all right, well, what does that mean? You know, that's, if, if that's our sort of target, if that's our milestone, let's understand now where prices might need to be. Let's understand how many projects do you need? What kind of, what does scale mean? And what are the milestones to get to that scale? And so we've got a really good start in that we've got a, a hydrogen strategy that came out uh, in November 2019. There's been work done on a low emissions technology. 
sort of project uh, with where hydrogen is one of the technologies and we're talking about H2 under two. That's a sort of um, slogan that we're using in Australia. And I think there's versions of that despite currency differences across the world. Uh, for us, that means it's sort of at the farm gate. So the production of hydrogen at less than $2 a kilogram Australian. Um, and we tend to sort of mean clean there, but I think others might mean green at different points. Um, I mean, right now we're closer to $6 and, and sometimes more. So how do, we, how do we get that price down? And that's where governments putting in ways of, of, of understanding the costs of carbon, you know, pricing carbon, or of providing benefits to people who are um, investing in renewables, investing in hydrogen, even when it comes to things like tax settings and you know, depreciation um, and, and settings and, and ways for people to de-risk their projects. Uh, what we're looking for are things like targets and, and standards for specific applications. So for gas blending, for example, we're talking about a we sort of the collective industry in this space is talking about you know, having a 10% target. So there must be 10%, say green gas or hydrogen in, uh, in the networks by 2030. Um, these are all ways of saying, all right, the market now has something a bit more bankable to then invest mm -hmm. in and de-risk. So industry needs to express itself well to governments who have their own ways of seeing things and their own sense of risk and timeframes and you know, the political side of things. Industry needs to get that and not expect all decisions to be de-risked entirely by government. And governments need to understand how industry sees risks and, and, and the different timeframes and decision-making there as well. Um, and recognising that uh, the keenness of industry to, to embrace hydrogen cannot, it's, you know, that enthusiasm cannot be the thing that causes shareholders to take a massive hit. There, there needs to be that mechanism of risk sharing uh, so that we can really you know, embrace that enthusiasm and turn it into something economic. Great, that is, uh, uh, I couldn't have asked for a better explanation of uh, government and policing in this regard. Well, of course, the geopolitics of uh, any sector, especially in, in this energy industry, uh, we can have a whole big discussion on that separately. Uh, I'm sure you agree with that. Yes. Uh, you also mentioned something about how uh, Australia as a nation is being very intensive in research efforts. And I think uh, in one of your recent EHC conferences, one of the topics of discussion was how particularly hydrogen research is creating more and more uh, next generation commercial opportunities in the country. So I'm curious uh, whether EHC supports some sort of technological research, innovation programs, and if yes, what kind of programs are there? Or in general, if you would be uh, willing to comment on how hydrogen research is at the center stage. I, I am less qualified in this space, but I'll do the best I can. Uh, so we at AHC, uh, as I said, because we're policy focused and also we're reasonably small, uh, we are already spread reasonably thinly across, you know, there's all these possibilities for policy and for understanding how how hydrogen might be used um, and, and what not, might need to happen in, to increase the use of hydrogen. So we tend to observe the research and the R&D side and the technological development through the academic institutions and our science agencies. We observe that with great enthusiasm and great interest, but, but don't sort of 
we don't actively participate. Um, so we don't we don't have funding or, or provide that, but we are we've got multiple um, cooperative research centres. So that's a, a, a means where government provides some funding, but it's also something where industry and um, and academia comes together. Everyone sort of throws some money into the pot and and then you know develops a research plan with the with the view being that it's going to meet industry needs and and really sort of dive into the the the, the the technological requirements of, of an industry. And we've got something like five of these cooperative research centres right now that are all in one way or another looking at hydrogen. Um, not entirely, it's not, it's not everyone's total remit. They're not all you know, bumping into one another, but it's, it's coming up as such an important part of looking at a whole lot of issues that are relevant to, to climate change, uh, to our economy more broadly with climate change and, and to exports, for example. So, so we're seeing this, uh, this sector being, being funded by government and certainly, uh, I mean, probably I would say that it was never funded enough, um, but, but we're seeing this support but from governments, we're seeing industry stepping up uh, and, and this enormous enthusiasm and interest from all the you know, various researchers across the country. Um, the same thing goes with, uh, with work that, that CSIRO, our science agency does, um, you know, they also are engaged with some of the CRCs and, uh, and they've got a hydrogen mission, which is about sort of building knowledge in this space. And again, they've got that very well covered and we watch that, um, you know, we really sort of celebrate what they do. Just one more thing I might mention is I talked to, I mentioned at some point earlier about co-locating use, about trying to get efficiencies of scope and scale. This is also an area where some of the, sort of the academic institutions are also playing a role or where they've got their own versions of, of hubs where they're looking at um, you know, a range of issues to do, both technical through to social uh, at particular you know, points. And so we've got, you know, I think two of them at the moment in Victoria, uh, which is where I am. Uh, I would actually uh, suggest if any of your listeners are interested, there's a website called High Resource and it's actually hosted on our CSIRO website and High Resource is HY Resource. And that has the full list of all the industry projects. So all the uh, you know, under development you know, um, through to you know, operating type projects that industry is running on hydrogen, but it also has all the research projects. So uh, that's kept as up to date as one can in these very fast moving times. Um, it's independent. Uh, so it's, it's, not, you know, it's not just us talking about our members, for example. Um, and I would always encourage people to look at that because that will give you um, there, there are periodic snapshots that are available on that website to tell people about what's going on, but you can also do a bit of a deeper dive into any one thing and that's live. Thank you, Fiona. Um, I think uh, what you just said really rings a bell. Collaboration is the key to move ahead in any sector. Uh, it is important for uh, all different areas that are involved, the entire hydrogen spectrum needs to work together. Uh, yes. On those lines, I, I see you are doing a phenomenal work uh, from all that you have said in integrating the hydrogen eco ecosystem within Australia. Uh, do you also plan to partner or collaborate on a global basis? And if yes, what is your approach? What are your goals for such collaborative efforts? That's a great question. and. Uh... I think as you're already discovering, I don't have short answers to, to even great questions. So um, we absolutely do want to, to collaborate with 
parties like us and others from across the world. Uh, we are doing the best we can to, to meet others and to start those partnerships. And so we've already got, I think, something like 15 memoranda of understanding with different associations, both in Australia and globally. So on the global level, it's really with the hydrogen associations and councils from, from a range of countries. Um, and for us domestically, it's with uh, other parties who, who may have an interest in hydrogen, but actually uh, you know, have, a, have, a, have a quite different lens for their reason for being, whether it's, I don't know, there's a Clean Energy Council, there's Bioenergy Australia, there's Energy Networks Australia. But in terms of, uh, among others, uh, in terms of the relationships that, that we're growing with our overseas entities, that's so important and it's so interesting because uh, you know, we're, we are all at different points in terms of how we've been thinking about things and how we're seeing the sector evolve. Um, but we are all dealing with pretty similar questions. It, you know, it's still that sort of economic, that regulatory, that social license to operate. Uh, so, yeah, we try to share as much as we can. Um, for us, it's just understanding how others are dealing with like even just the, the big framing questions, the philosophical questions. How do you deal with the complexity? How do you, how do you stay up to date? Uh, these are all areas that can be made infinitely easier uh, mm -hmm. if you can share that information and those ways of thinking among one another. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Uh... Although collaboration is essential, it is equally difficult. Yes, so. we are. We are all very busy, and it's sometimes, it, you know, as, as I'm sure you know, it's much easier to deal with the, the things that need to be done this minute than it is to take that longer-term strategic view. Uh, and and everyone wants to talk about hydrogen too. Absolutely, everybody. So it does it does make that important collaborative work sometimes a bit harder to do. Um, mm -hmm. But it's, you know, when you, when you do get the time, it's, it's so, so useful and so important. So uh, that makes me curious about what, what exactly are your strategies when you, when you talk about stakeholder engagement and management? And uh, that also makes me curious whether there are specific technological challenges in addition to the regulatory ones. Are there specific uh, challenges that uh, you face or uh, maybe your members in general, especially on the technology forefront? Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm speculating here more than, more, more than speaking from the personal experience side of things, but It, it, it may it may be if I speculate as to the sort of the technological challenges I, I think it's 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 not having the the commercial you know, the, the not having the ability to be commercial right now um, leads one to think well to what degree can we close the investment gap through technological innovation through efficiency improvements and the like um, and I think I, I tend to find that there's different views around the place as to what it is that is that investment gap and how you close it. Is it a technological limitation, which you can then focus on by focusing on the technology? Or is the technology about, you know, physics is physics, chemistry is chemistry. You've reached a natural constraint and now it's about, um, you know, market mechanisms and the like. Um, I... I think there's a, there's a lot to be done in the way of technology, particularly if, if due to a completely natural 
um, view that hydrogen is it's not new as a technology, but this view that we, you know, this this hydrogen at scale piece is new. Uh, the the green hydrogen piece is new. That there may be a tendency to overbuild uh, in order to to be safe and to make sure that everything's all right, which is totally fine. Um, and you know, we safety has to be paramount. Uh, the technological piece might be an understanding a bit better how hydrogen does uh, react and respond to uh, uh, it's the materials it's engaging with um, under different circumstances. Um, and maybe there are greater efficiencies that can be made by just understanding that side of things better and developing those other technologies so that we're not um, maintaining the investment gap by overbuilding and over-engineering things. Um, that's me just speculating at the moment based on some of the conversations I've had with people. They may not necessarily be my members' views, but. Uh, th there is that need to, to, I guess, unpack what with technology is the thing that can improve the economic efficiency um, and, and what is um, for another reason. Sure. Uh, I definitely have uh, on my notes several key takeaways from this uh, conversation with you. Collaboration is important, difficult. And not only does the industry and the government need to work together hand in hand, but obviously we also need to bring the technological developments to the forefront and commercialize things. It's yeah. more about the market mechanism and everything else coming together that will definitely fuel our uh, global stride towards hydrogen becoming the technology of the future. Probably the future is now. <laughs> Thank you so much, Fiona. Um, we really appreciate you uh, speaking with us today. And to all our podcast listeners, um, please uh, be reminded that you may subscribe on Apple or Blueberry podcast or on the Gulf Energy website. Thank you for joining us.